Before you sit down, why don't you greet somebody and say hello?
Uh, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, again, good morning. My name's Kurt. This is Dustin. We're the pastors here, and we're so glad to be able to gather like this. And uh, hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How yeah? about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. You watching, uh, watching some figure skating, are you? Uh, <laughs> not, not quite, but some curling. curling. Yeah, there you go. Get some of yeah. that going on. Right? Go yeah. USA. Yeah. Right? No, it, you know, every four years, we all remind ourselves what skeleton is and bobsledding, right? Or now, monobob. Mm -hmm. One person in it. Okay, anyway, that's fun stuff. And, um, you know... Uh, Tim here's my hero today. <laughs> Tim's wearing his Bronco jersey. So I told Dustin, and you know, we had Youth Sunday last week, and I said, you know, those guys can give the pastor a hard time because I admit it, I totally jinxed the Chiefs. Didn't mean to. I say, hey, when the Chiefs win today, wear your stuff in church on Super Bowl Sunday. And they lost. So I'm sorry about that. It's all my fault. But I like the way Tim's representing today, you know, it's a football day, how much fun is that? Uh, speaking of Youth Sunday, great job again, I guess I have comments to make. Uh, that was so much fun, good job, we, I know we were kind of winging it towards the end, you know, getting there with everything else going on, but I, uh, when Carson got up and, and uh, the youth group did that thing, you know, that was really cool. I'm so tempted to go, let's try, you know, or Yahweh. Everybody do it once, ready? Yahweh. I'm tempted, but I'm not going to do it because the youth group needs to own this. And if we start stealing all their cool stuff, that would be bad form. So I really enjoyed that a lot. And I can't resist one other thing. So, uh, you know, not that everybody remembers Kurt's story and Kurt's life, but I will tell you that all those years ago, and yes, I can barely remember my youth group days, it was significant and crucial for us when we had Youth Sundays and when my, the lead pastor, Arno Wiebe, in my church said, you should think about being a pastor, here we are. So I know what you're thinking, are you going to say that to Carson? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. I'm going to pray a lot for all of our youth group because uh, that was just so much fun last week, and so um, I hope you were blessed by that as well. Uh, oh, and I don't want to forget one more banter thing, and then we'll get on with it. Uh, Bueller basketball, the boys had a tight game and uh, came out victorious over circles, so congrats to them. I know the seasons are still going, basketball and whatever else, wrestling, and so go Bueller. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So there you go. We're a community-minded church, and let's not forget that part. But we are also, this is who we are. Uh, this is our mission and vision. We want to put it up on the screen. Uh, we're a little bit busy today, so we're not going to go do the share thing. We're going to have other versions of sharing today. So, But just remember, this is who we want to be. This is who we are. And uh, when those stories come about how God's working, we want to share them together. But we're going to just forego that a bit today, okay? Thank you for going with us on that. Okay. Dustin, what's going on? What's, uh, what can we tell them about? Yeah, so Wednesday, we're going to have a lot of our normal stuff going on, so come join us for a fellowship meal, and then after that, we'll have jam and youth groups, prayer gathering, uh, and all that. Yep, and uh, I'm so excited, speaking about being a community-minded church, uh, two weeks from today, the high school music group, the Bueller Singers, will actually be sharing with us musically in our service, two weeks from today on the 27th. I'm excited about this. So listen to me, Bueller. Be on your best behavior. 
We're going to have guests in the house. No, okay, that's a joke, of course, and you're like, of course we will be. This will be a great opportunity to share with some people that might come watch their kids sing. Uh, it's really, as I understand it, I'll make sure I've got my facts straight. Uh, they're headed on a trip to New York City, and they have a sacred set, uh, a, a set of sacred music that they're going to be performing at St. John's Cathedral, and so they're going to share some of that music with us in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. How cool is that? So, uh, two weeks from today... And um, I really want uh, us to be great hosts, not just because we want to be polite and nice guys, we want to show them Jesus, subtly and overtly, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, what else? Also, and you can check your bulletin for this, but there's a wedding shower coming up for Shelby Schmidt and uh, JD, and so you can check a little bit uh, in the bulletin about when that's coming up, but uh, there's more information about that. Yep. Uh, some big stuff coming up. Uh, we want to show a video for uh, a women's conference that we're hosting here. So video, go. If 2022 is going to be incredible because yeah. we need hope. We are going to talk about how we live in this world right now, how we navigate a culture that feels very different than the Bible and the one that Jesus laid out for us. How do we build community in the middle of this? How do we tell people about Jesus? There's a reason we're still alive. There's a reason we're still here. And that our lives matter in this time. We're not gonna waste our moment. And so we come together to remember we're part of something big, but we also come together to remember we're a part of something small. The reason we do If Gathering the way we do is we want you in your place gathered with your people. We want you in living rooms and small churches and college dorm rooms all over this planet. You with your people builds the kingdom. If Gathering 2022 can be a part. Yeah, and Melissa's sort of the uh, coordinator of everything going on. What do you want to tell us about the If Gathering for Women? Yeah, so you, some of you may know more about If Gathering than I do because I know that you've hosted it here before, but everything that I know and that I have, am learning about, um, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful live stream event, uh, March 4th and 5th, and I want to invite all the ladies. We have sent out invitations to all of the area churches. We're going to be um, promoting it in the community. Um, if you know, if you have a friend, a, a, know of a woman that needs hope and encouragement, I would encourage you to invite her or them. Um, and there's several ways that you can uh, sign up. Um, the easiest way is probably to go online at ifgathering.com, and you can search uh, for by zip code or by Bueller MB and sign up um, to be a part. It's uh, just $10, and you can pay online that way. Or if you'd rather, if you don't want to do the tech thing, if you don't want to be online, there's a sign-up sheet at the Info Center, um, and then you can pay at the door when you come. But it's March 4th and 5th. On Friday night, it'll be from 6 p.m. to 9.30, and then on Saturday from 9 to 4. And this is, like I said, live stream. Um, there'll be tons of speakers. You can see more information at ifgathering.com. Um, one of the themes this year, and I love this, is God is more powerful than the mountains we need to climb. And right now in our, in our world, in our, in our culture, we all need hope and encouragement. So my prayer is that you would um, consider coming and joining us. And here's the thing. Um, if you can't come for the entire time, um, if you're busy Friday night or if you're, you've got stuff 
some stuff going on and you miss Saturday morning or whatever, don't let that stop you from signing up. There will be ways that we can share with you the um, sessions that you might miss for other events. So please don't let that stop you from signing up and being a part. We'd love to see you. Yeah, so what's happened is uh, even before pandemic and streaming got kind of blew up, there were some really cool events that would go on like with big screens and videos. And this is one of those, and it should be a great time for women uh, to get together on that. But as you can see, if you're, if you're adept and see in the bulletin, we do have some scheduling conflicts. <laughs> but that's why Melissa wanted to make it clear. And Keith's coming up here to talk about the gala coming up. And uh, um, happens to be, you know, we couldn't talk to the IF gathering people to say, can you change your dates? And they had to plan their, so we want to make it clear it's okay. And we can make this all smooth out together. Right, Keith? Right. <laughs> the IF gathering looks like a good time, so go to that if that catches your heart, and if something else does, go to that, right? <laughs> yeah. But just want to pause a little bit here for a good cause at Sunshine Meadows. Uh, we have our gala, and this year it's a special one because what we can take in and proceeds goes towards our, uh, and trying to wrap up our plans for our memory care unit for the dementia residents that we want to create some new programs for and living environments connected to our assisted living. So that's kind of exciting. And with all of that, you can, it's a match. So what, if we raise typically 40000 that night, we can get that match and get it to 80000 So if you've never been before, we would encourage you to do that, just to check it out. It's at the Sand Hills Venue Center on March 4th. We do just a live auction, a big buffet, and a dessert bar. A lot of neat things on the uh, auction block, just uh, meal packages, trip packages, um, chainsaw, half of beef has been donated, all those good things. So come on out, support the cause, and what comes in is matched, and we just appreciate your support on that. And also get involved in the IF thing. That's a pretty cool thing as well. So. Yeah, how, you, do they, how do they get tickets? Yeah, get tickets. You can get them from Charlotte Smith or myself. We'll have them here in church, or we can get them at the office at Sunshine Meadows or $75. Yeah, and again, can't say this enough, ladies. If you want to somehow do both, we think you can, and you can work it out with uh, uh, getting sessions caught up or whatever. So. Thanks, Keith. Very good. I'll take that. Um, uh, some other things just to mention, actually, with Keith being up here, you heard about um, Franklin Pankratz passing away this weekend, so we're, uh, we're both sorry for your loss, but also glorious homegoing. Uh, the funeral's being planned for Friday at 11 o'clock in this very room, and some more details will go out in a connection. We also want to re remind ourselves, uh, Neil Annabal's brother-in-law, Paul, passed away recently as well. You can see that in the bulletin. Um, Newfelds, are you in the house today? Did you guys have a grandbaby? Congratulations. So I, uh, it was already a couple of, we can clap or something. Yeah, there we go. So congratulations. I apologize for the late delay. It's been a couple of weeks, but you know we get distracted. And uh, um, we want to keep praying for uh, some of the people we've been praying for. Had a good talk with Gene Krenzen this week. Uh, Jeanette continues to tarry what they're hoping she'll be on her way home in some days and uh, Phyllis is in the house today welcome back glad you're here and um, Van we've been in touch with Van she seems to be doing okay 
uh, cancer journey, you kind of know the deal. And if there are others, it's not like we always talk about every little physical thing, but we know they're out there. So uh, let's keep those in our prayers as well. Uh, this morning, we're going to have a little bit of a chance to hear how Jennifer Schrader's doing, so I'm going to invite her to come on up. Uh, Jen's been in, in the States, in here at home for actually several, a bit, and she'll tell you about that and um, what's up with her. So, hey, everybody say, hi, Jen. Thank you. I try not to do that too much, but yeah, that's for you. So I'm actually going to leave the stage for you. Let me, I know, right? Yeah. Wow, so, I'm privileged. I know, I know. But uh, um, somebody, don't leave before one of us comes back up at the end and we'll pray for you, okay? Good morning. Um, as always, it's, it, it's good to be here. Hello. <laughs> um, I have been... I have been in the States for a few weeks, about a month, and um, I go back tomorrow, so I'm feeling a little frazzled this morning. My brain's going in about 100 directions, so I'm going to do my best to keep, um, keep focused here, but I wanted to give you just a little bit of an update of how things have been going in Romania. If any of you don't know, I'm a missionary in Romania, grew up in this church, and um, have been there for, this will be my 25th summer my 23rd year full-time so it's um yeah <laughs> it's been a while um but it is um continuing god's uh, continuing to see god work in some great ways and continuing to um i just honored to be able to be present um there it's been an interesting journey as everything has been in the last few years but in romania as well the covid restrictions and everything that we have to deal with has been interesting it makes life um we we use we use an acronym in um heart to heart that is we're fat f-a-t and um, it means that we are flexible adaptable and teachable and we say that all the time got to be fat we have to be fat we have to be fat um the last two years we have been fat like on steroids like it's um it's been interesting and we have to be incredibly flexible but we still have been able to maintain contact with all of our kids and that's been the most important part of course and um, seeing how just god continues to flex and and move um, our ministry in different directions so um, i have a few pictures if you want to show um, we just got through christmas season and of course christmas is a big deal for kids we do do a little bit of partnering with samaritan's purse but for the most part, gifts um, are through us and through our organization and what we can gather and um, donations that we, we get. So this is one of my staff, Miku, um, and this is Carla, one of my grandkids. And one of the things I love about what we do is combining all the pieces, right? So all my graduates that come back and volunteer and help with the present ministry, um, we promote that, um, continuing to give back. If you want to, people ask me, is it, is this, it, how much success do you have in your program? And I'm always like, e, what do you measure that by, right? But one of the ways that I measure success is by graduates of our program willing to give back, right? So breaking that cycle from being a victim to being a helper and being able to continue to spread the love. So Niku actually grew up in the orphanage and he is now on our staff. I have three, three ex-orphans currently on staff with us, which is, which, which is awesome. And Carla's six, and she um, 
taking presents to the kids is just part of her life, right? And so she loves this, and it was a big deal. And, and so we gave out about 400 presents um, this past Christmas, and so you can imagine what that looks like in my house for about a month. But it's a good time. So the next picture, um, this is one of our special needs kids. We, have, we work within two special needs orphanages. Do you notice the hat? Tractor supply, right? Where do you think that came from? <laughs> um, this, so in the fall, a bunch of you sent some stuff over with Kelly Pankratz and, um, and Marin Robson, and so a lot of our kids got hats in their Christmas present this year, so I wanted to make sure that this, this picture got on. He was thrilled by his hat. Go ahead in the next photo. Um, these are our two current boys in our boys' transition program. One of the programs that we love and um, just is a huge part of what we do is when they age out of the orphanage system, they go through a program that helps, um, helps them prepare for being independent. And so this is Yuli holding the maroon bag and Andre with the, with the hat on. Um, they're 19 and 21 ages. And um, so this year, every year when they're in the boys program, they spend a lot of time with me, a lot of time at the house. Um, they live at a separate facility, but they come to the house, the team house where I live, um, pretty much every weekend. And I do a, we do a lot of classes with them. My, my part that I teach is um, sp spiritual discipleship and emotional responsibility. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but the big thing we've been working on in the past um, two months is goal setting and that merged into then um, an, a unit on forgiveness. And a huge part of what our kids have to deal with is how do we forgive the past so it doesn't hold us back in our future. And so with Yuli and Andre, been doing a lot of stuff with them in that. They're holding, uh, our Christmas season kicks off on December 6th with Svintel Nikolai, which is St. Nicholas Day there. And if you put your shoes out, you get candy and small gifts in your shoe. Um, if your shoes are clean and you've been good. If not, <laughs> if not, you get coal or a stick. And um, so this is them getting their Svintel Nikolai stuff um, that morning. But one thing that's interesting for me, and no matter how many years I've done it, still does not, still impacts me, is I asked, um, we, Christmas morning we had stockings and a Christmas brunch and, um, a presence under the tree, of course. And leading up to that, about a week leading up to that, when they walked into the house, they went to the tree and looked for presents, right? And I said, Yuli, have you ever had a present under the tree with your name on it? No, right? 21 years old, first time. And so give, being able to give that sense of family and that sense of tradition and that sense of kind of normalcy is incredibly important um, and a huge part of what we do. Um, you know how you have kind of, maybe this, this happens to me. I have certain conversations that happen a lot, and one of the themes that's been happening is I've been asked a lot this time of what, how, does, how does heart to heart promote discipleship? And so I've been thinking a lot about that idea of discipleship and the Acts series that Kurt is doing, I mean, Acts, that you can't read Acts and not talk about discipleship, and how do we give, how do we disciple? Um, and a huge part of what, how we disciple is we build community and family. 
And so for dis when I think about how does heart-to-heart -heart disciple, it's we have to get into life with them, right? It's not a program. It's not, um, it's not anything big. It's living life. So showing up and being able to share Christmas morning with someone who's never had a Christmas morning, right? That's a huge part of discipleship. Um, another big part of discipleship for me is, um, is being a, I've become an event planner and being able to have events for them that they don't normally have. So birthday parties and we have, I, either, I say I'm either cleaning up from a party or I'm planning a party, and sometimes I'm doing that at the same time, right? So when I get back on, on September, on what month are we in? September? February. On February, <laughs> yeah, see, I told you, I'm a little scattered. On February 27th, we're having a birthday party. Well, I have three grandkids that have a birthday within a week, so it's going to be a big bash, right? And so I'm already planning that. It's going to be a, th a th barn theme. It's going to be great fun. Um, so we're always kind of, what event is coming up next? And um, if you actually go to, will you skip two pictures? Thank you. This is my newest grandkid. This is Oliver. And he will turn a year on March 9th. Um, and so... You, most of you know with our transition kids and graduates as they get married and start families, um, we, we get grandkids. And so I have 16 grandkids now, and um, he's, the new, he's the newest and um, super, super fun and, and cute. Um, the next picture as well is a picture of me with Ruthie and Carla. You guys have seen them grow up. Um, I spend the most time with them. I am, very largely involved in their child care, in their care, and Ruthie's 11 now. Ruthie or Carla will turn seven the end of the month, um, and lots of great fun stories about them. All of you that are grandparents, you know how you feel about your grandkids. That's how I feel about these, right? And so I never have, I never have a shortage of pictures and um, stories that I could tell you about my grandkids. So that, it's a huge part of what we do. I have another um, kid getting married and one of our graduates getting married um, in the end of May in my backyard. So we have, I'm planning another wedding. So that's part of life, right? And getting to be part of the celebrations and the difficulties of their life that's what discipleship means to me, right? And how it looks in my life in Romania. And it's such an honor and a privilege. You know, when you're asked to stand up, in some, stand up for somebody in the place of their mom at their wedding, that's a pretty big honor and um, such, a, such a treat. It gets a little confusing when you're asked, are you, with the, are you with the groom or the bride? And you say both. There's a little bit of a, a little bit of weirdness that goes on occasionally, but... Um, it, it's, it's fun, and it gets, um, yeah, a lot of fun. The picture, if you go back, two pictures, it's me teaching. Um, I get to do a lot of teaching here and there. I'm doing an English class here in this, in this, in this picture um, at one of the orphanages and schools that we work in. And so lots of opportunity to still be involved with the kids um, and lots of hoops to jump through. Um, one, two, the big two questions that are, people are asking is, how is COVID affecting? Um, we have tons of restrictions in Europe. You guys, sorry, anybody that's complaining about restrictions here, mm -mm. <laughs> uh, it's nothing, right? Uh, we, we live with masks on majority of the time in for, they just eased the restrictions as of last week, but um, 
as of last week, we couldn't go outside of our homes in Bucharest without a mask on. So outside, you don't go anywhere without a mask. And we have um, vaccination codes on our phones if you've been vaccinated that you have to show to get into anything besides a grocery store. So the only place non-vaccinated people can go right now is the grocery store. And um, so it's, it's very, very strict. Um, this orphanage that I'm at here, we can't go in unless we're vaccinated. So there's lots of, lots of um, restrictions, but as I was mentioning to someone in the hallway, um, I'll jump through hoops for these kids, right? I'll go through the restrictions if it has to. It's, it's worth it to me and um, it's worth it's worth it um, to them. So that's a big part of what's going on. Um, people are asking me the Ukraine crisis and how that's affecting Romania neighbors to Ukraine. So we get to, um, we're pretty close proximity as, as of right now. It's not really affecting much in Romania. Romanians are pretty unfazed by it so far. Um, they're like Russian aggression, yeah. <laughs> We've dealt with that for hundreds of years. Like this is you know, nothing new under the sun. Um, but there is, there has been an increase. We have two American bases that um, are in Romania, and those um, bases have been built up. Um, as you've been hearing, Biden, hello, sending troops to Eastern Europe. That means Romania is one of those places, and they've been increased by a couple thousand troops in Romania in the last couple of weeks. So, how that will affect the future? I don't know. It's far, far enough away from us that I, I don't believe that um, we'll see any type of fighting or anything like that if it, un if it unfortunately leads to war, which I'm hoping and praying it does not. Um, but it could have ripple effects and in, in Romania, and we'll wait to see how that, how that works. I go, as I said, I go back tomorrow, um, fly out around noon tomorrow, so you can keep Keep me in your thoughts and prayers for that. I, it will be a, about a 24-hour process for me. So it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a trip. But um, yeah, it'll be good. Um, I have cards on the back table. A few of you have asked about um, joining my monthly support team. And if anyone is interested in that, support is OK. Um, we're making it, not a lot of excess, but monthly, daily needs are being met. So appreciate all of you that, that do support us financially and pray for, pray for us. Um, one of the things about how long I've been in Romania is that it's not new, right? And so I'm not the new thing out there uh, or the biggest need or the loudest voice necessarily, but there's still lots of stuff going on. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can, through the church, or um, pick up a card and you can figure out how you can join my month. Send me an email and I'll give you details on that if you'd like to be part of monthly support. So thanks for letting me share. Dustin, you should come. There you go. So um, we want to continue to support Jen every which way. So I'm going to pray for her, and then Dustin's going to pray for the rest of our service as we go on from there and whatever else comes to mind, brother. But uh, uh, we're, we haven't done this in a while. She's leaving tomorrow. She, I'm so glad you shared a little bit about Ukraine because we're all wondering and we're all like, really? You know, that Russian comment was awesome. Um, but let, uh, sometimes we extend a hand just as I pray. If you'd like to extend a hand towards Jen as we want to send her on her way again with God's blessing and our good favor as well. So let's pray. 
God, we're so thankful for the way you have called Jen all these years to do this, uh, this ministry, this work that you have given her. And we now again are so glad to get caught up. God, we once again send her in your care. And we pray for everything about her ministry, for the kids that she has impact in with, uh, for the people she comes in contact with, that the name of Jesus would be very clearly proclaimed to all that she comes in contact with. We pray for that. We pray for safe travel. We pray for the future as it unfolds with uh, tensions in Europe, with um, uh, other things going on that will be affecting uh, their ministry at heart to heart, God. We just pray that you would be in the middle of all that and we trust you in every way. But we send Jen with your blessing and ask you to be with her. We ask you to bless her and continue to show her your path and your direction in every which way. And uh, we ask you to bring her home safely to us for another visit soon. So we pray that you would bless Jennifer. And Lord, we just thank you for this day and just another day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so we're thankful that we can uh, gather here and not only hear what you're up to uh, with Jen in Romania, but also come here to worship and uh, to honor you. And so we pray as we move about our service that that would be what we do. Uh, may we have uh, uh, open eyes and open hearts for what you have for us. And we just thank you for this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you all stand as we worship together?
you for that. We um, pray for Pastor Kurt as he comes and leads us through um, Acts. And like Jen said, we can't 
think of Acts without thinking discipleship, and we're all disciples of you, and help, help us to do that well. Help us to become more like you so that we can um, spread your good news to everyone. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. Good to be together. So as we've said, uh, in and out a little bit, but we're back in Acts. There's the screen. Yeah, you get the idea. Um, there it is. <laughs> uh, you know, we're just getting rolling a little bit. We've only had a couple of weeks really at this, and I'm still looking forward to it again as Cindy prayed and as Jen commented, Acts, great stuff for uh, our mission and what it means to make disciples, discipleship and all that. So um, we're spreading the movement. We're planting the church. The church is beginning and all that. And so we're uh, um, in Acts chapter 1 and we're in verse 15. And if you have a device or your Bible with you, I want to read the passage we're going to talk about today as we begin our time together. So here it is, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And we're going to go uh, all the way to the end of the chapter. And here is God's word this morning, Bueller MB. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. It's God's word, people. Let's remember and respect that. We want to look at it today, and it's a shortest passage, and it might, uh, one of my challenges for these early passages is to say, what does this have to do with us today? And uh, in the back of your mind, I want you to always be asking that as well. But so let's have a look a little bit at the verse, uh, at each section of this passage to go over what's going on. We want to make sure we at least catch the story. 
And so we know that, remember, this is the trivia question that you must answer correctly by the time we're done. Which gospel goes with the book of Acts? Luke is correct. Remember, one work, two big pieces, the gospel and Acts. And so we're continuing the story, and we just got to the very beginning where we uh, talked about uh, the point of uh, the last time we talked about Acts was the focus, the intentionality that it has to be all about Jesus, Jesus as the center. And again, keep saying the same things again and again. The movement is progressing. You're going to hear that a lot today. The church is being planted. Terribly important stuff and a terribly important time in history. So here we are. Uh, let's have a look at what's going on in this passage. So first of all, we know that the, the believers, again, after they were, you know, kind of dumbly looking up to see Jesus and the angels are like, guys, guys, focus, go. Remember what he said, stay in Jerusalem, you know, get on with it. That's what we talked about last time. So uh, the, the believers are gathered and uh, Peter, naturally sort of natural leader, uh, there's no reason to indicate that John or James or somebody else was, was uh, upset about this. He was a natural leader, one of Jesus' inner circle guys, so it made sense. Jesus stood up and he takes some leadership. This parenthetical statement about the number of days, it's really interesting. I've mentioned this before. Uh, smart scholar commentators all have different views about this, so I just want to tell you for 10 seconds, maybe 20, to say uh, that, that number 120 might be significant, it's suggesting, as Luke is being very careful to lay out the whole story and the whole account, to say, look, there were 120, there were around 120 of us, and in Jewish thinking, that's enough to be a community. You could have your own representation and council. So there's some commentators that say this was kind of a thing to say uh, to his Jewish audience, look, there were 120 of us, that's a legit crowd, you know, that's a legit community. And of course, there are other commentators that say, ah, that's not that compelling, it doesn't mean that much. Take it for what you will, okay? So there's about 120 of them. We know there were more in other places as well. Anyway, Peter stands up and he says, hey, guys, fellow believers, look, scripture had to be fulfilled. Uh, there seems to be some indication from Peter that there's an issue here with Judas's betrayal and departure that needs to be taken care of. And so he's going to say, we need to take care of this. And... Um, uh, it's interesting, as he's telling this, this is, Luke is telling us what Peter said, and then in the next little section, we see this parenthetical statement. This is probably not Peter, this is uh, Luke giving us a little commentary. Uh, I was thinking about this, when, when I was, uh, when, before we moved to Arizona, uh, Connor was in high school before he went to college, and um, we would watch, this was when binging shows and whole long times you'd sit down and watch television shows you'd, you'd uh, uh, do that for long periods Connor was my saving grace because I was already starting to lose my memory and things so we'd sit down and watch some show and I'd say wait who's that again pause real quick is that somebody is that somebody I should know oh yeah that's right hey that's sort of what Luke is doing here He's pausing to say, you know, we're binging the story. Okay, we're not really binging the story. But he pauses to say, well, you guys remember about Judas, right? So he was that guy that uh, betrayed Jesus. P Peter already made that clear. But I wanted, he wanted to remind the audience, you know, of what the story was, hap what was happening with him. He bought a field. He fell headlong. His body burst open. His intestines spilled out. Everyone heard. They called that field, field of blood. Now, some of you that know 
we'll find that this particular account of Judas' demise is a bit different from uh, the account in Matthew 27. And in Matthew 27, it talks more about, you know, Judas actually seems to have felt bad, threw the money back into the temple and the Pharisees had to buy a fee. Okay, um, really quickly, because we're a little short on time today, I want to be mindful. Uh, the point to that is not that, you know, trying to rectify and harmonize all of the accounts. You can do it. And if I were to offer some, they're really grisly. This whole account is really grisly, you know, because the Matthew account says Judas hung himself and that, you know, what is this about intestines spilling out? So you could explore this and there are definitely ways to harmonize this. Maybe he hung himself and he decayed for a while and his body spilled out. Sorry, but that's just what we're talking about here. You know, did the Pharisees buy the field or did Judas buy it? Well, maybe they acted as his agents. So there's all sorts of ways. Here's the thing. Harmonizing the accounts isn't the point. <laughs> the point is, do we remember about Judas? And it was sort of this all-encompassing, look, everybody knows, everybody in Jerusalem, remember... We're starting in Jerusalem with the planting, spreading of the movement. That's interesting. So Luke's saying, well, you guys all know this is, this is that field of blood from that guy. Everybody knows the story. So my encouragement is don't, don't for little things here, don't get nitpicky and don't worry about harmonizing every little thing. You absolutely can, and God's word is absolutely true. But that's not the point here. Everybody knew it, he says. That's Judas. So then Peter goes on. See, we have to replace him because look what God's word said through David in the Psalms. May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Uh, this first one uh, is from Psalm 61. The Psalm is about um, a threat. Uh, Psalm 61 talks about a threat to godly, the godly person. And that godly person is regularly associated with the Messiah. So it totally makes sense that... Uh, Peter would say, you know, through the leading of the Spirit, that, oh, this is what part of what we're talking about, that may his place be deserted. It was a, a threat against, I mean, a, a judgment against that person who is against the godly person in Psalm 61. Then the second one is from Psalm 109, and that's about uh, curses for an enemy, so when you're cursing your enemy, may, uh, may another take your place of leadership. Again, the, the quick version to say, this was in Peter's estimation, and so we trust that. This was God's prophetic sort of little, little prophecy towards we need to take care of this gap that Judas has created. We can see it in scriptures, and we need to take care of this. And then uh, he says, okay, therefore... Uh, let's think about how we're going to do this well. We need to replace Judas. Uh, it's necessary uh, to do that. And he let, sets up some really important parameters. We're, we're going to see this, I hope, but in case I forget later, because sometimes I get that way. Uh, it's important for us to see they were very mindful of who would... It wasn't just anybody. Just anybody could do this apostle thing. Get to that more in a minute. Uh, it, it needed to be somebody who was there from the beginning who was one of ours, that, that saw Jesus, the whole ministry, saw him die, saw him be resurrected, saw him exalted and ascending, you know, this had to be something like, so it's pretty important that they had these parameters and this, uh, 
criteria um, because it was necessary to replace him. And so, uh, again, mostly getting this story here real quick, um, it was important uh, uh, that they used that criteria and came up with two guys. And so, again, remember, part of Luke's interest in this is to be very historically sound and accurate because, as we're going to see, the important thing about Acts is that the mission is to be Jesus' witness. And so we want to make sure the story is absolutely sound. And so, uh, he, uh, Barsabbas and uh, uh, Matthias, they um, pray really important that they sought God and said, we want you to show us who should fill in as an apostle. It's a big deal. We'll get to that in a minute. And so then they prayed, and then they did this thing that says they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11. Okay, kind of quick, but not too bad. That is the story that we're looking at today. That's the narrative, you know. And um, I feel like before we go on, uh, it's important for us to talk about something. Um, it's not the most important thing at all in this passage, but it is something we might wonder. And of course, I'm talking about what is this deal with casting lots? So, a little comic relief, not totally. A little uh, interesting sort of stuff I want to share with you, but let's talk a little bit about casting lots, shall we? So, uh, first of all, what the heck was that, right? Don't you wonder? Well, it's like rolling a dice or flipping a coin, right? Yes, it is. The reality is, if you talk to a lot of experts and all that, most of them would say, look, we really don't know what it was. It was a chance thing uh, where something was determined, uh, you know, to determine an outcome. Uh, some of the times you remember in the New Testament, one of the, probably the biggest times you remember, the soldiers cast lots for Jesus' garment. But the Old Testament is actually full of times when they did some casting of lots for deciding which priest would serve or some other important things it's in the old testament so the one thing i want to say is it was legit it was okay that it was a, a good thing that they cast lots and uh um i've got here a little i made a little illustration for us so whatever it was it might have been a dice whatever i've got i don't know six or eight rocks here that they're all white except one is black and so um we might have this like a bag and I could go around. I, was, I won't take the time today because again, we're a little bit short, but I could have had everybody reach in and take one and who got the black one. That's casting lots. Are you with me, church? Yeah, okay. So uh, whatever it was, it might have been sticks, even something as short as short stick that we've still seen today, flipping a coin, rolling a dice. That's all the kind of thing. And that was what casting lots was. It's just funner to have the little rocks because it seems more, and never mind. Okay. You get the idea. So I want to say it was definitely all right that they did because there's no indication. That's right. Rock, paper, scissors. That is another one. Absolutely. Um, it, it is absolutely indications are this was the right thing for them to do. Again, besides the precedent from the old Testament, um, uh, there's no other, you know, Luke wouldn't have written about it if he, he would have had to come back and say, okay, so they cast lost, but they really shouldn't have. There's none of that. So it's definitely a legit thing. But the question becomes, um, what about us? So it's important to understand, and it's coming next time we get together, which is next Sunday, uh, the big deal in, okay, there's a lot of big deals in Acts, but next week we finally get to this really the coolest thing ever because God's going to send himself in the form of his Holy Spirit to his people. Goosebumps. 
excitement, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> so there's some people that talk about to say, well, um, that was the last sort of episode before the Holy Spirit came upon his people. And so that's probably an indication that casting lots isn't such a thing anymore. Now, I want to, being consistent with who I am, kind of a middle guy, um, I get that. And I would want to say, when you're thinking about how to make important decisions in your life, I would never tell you to roll a dice or flip a coin. But it does start to at least get you thinking, get you grinding on, well, how does even the Spirit today reveal stuff to us? And I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was a senior at Tabor, I had, I don't know if I've talked about this much, I had a great group of friends at Tabor. I'm so glad to hear a lot of experiences like that over all the generations, how, you know, your, your friends from college are your friends for life and all that. I had a group like that. And uh, by my senior year, though, <laughs> this won't surprise anybody, I was kind of a weird fellow. Um, no, I was sort of in this, uh, I don't know what you call it, um, a moody, melancholy little phase. I had roomed with one of those guys for two years, my sophomore and junior year, and we were just like, hey, let's mix it up. And they started to mix it up, and it, it was looking like Kurt was going to be odd man out. Not intentionally or all that, but it was like everybody's rooming with whomever. And, and I was getting this place where it's like, well, I'm a senior now, and I'm important at Bueller MB because I'm like the choir director, and and I'm so spiritual, I think, I think maybe I should go out. In those days, you guys that went to Tabor, uh, there was, um, oh shoot, John, what was uh, the, the dorm off? Cedar, thank you. <laughs> Cedar Hall was, just had one guy in a room. And I was going to go out there, and I was going to be much more alone and, and spend time with the Lord and finish up my music degree instead of all that fun stuff that went on in the quad. <laughs> Get the idea? Okay, so I was, you know, I was planning on this. And, and, and then it turned out when we did some reshuffling, one of, one of the guys, uh, I don't know if he was one of my main guys, but a, a good friend of mine that was sort of right next to my main group of guys said, hey, dude, I need somebody to room with. <sighs> so here I was. And here I was going to be, you know, that spiritual guy my senior year all by myself out at Cedar. Or I could room with Byron and have a great time, you know. And I was actually kind of agonizing about this. And there was no moral thing about it. You can, you know, you can tell. It's just a thing. And I was really, it's like, well, we got to decide. They want everybody to sign up. And Byron's like, Kurt, please, I need a roommate next year. Well, I know, but I've got to go be spiritual. You know, whatever, right? And I went to a guy. His name was Lynn Plett, friend of the family. He actually did some coaching, but he was also an admissions guy at Tabor at the time, uh, a bit older than me, whatever. And I said, Lynn, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Byron needs a roommate, but I want to go whatever that whole deal was, and that's so long ago, the feelings are gone. And without hesitating, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a quarter. And I'm like, dude. And he's like, do you have a clear indication which way? And I'm like, well, I guess not. And he said, now here's the thing. We're, we're going to pray, and if we do this, you've got to do what it says. <sighs> okay. 
So I'm like, I, I respected Lynn. He was uh, a, a, a version of a spiritual mentor for me pre-Tabor days. We knew them from, anyway, so I'm like, okay, so he prays, God, just reveal what's best, you know, what, what your will is for Kurt and all that. Okay, look, didn't change the world or anything. He flips it. You guys know what happened? Quad Byron, yes! Had a great senior year. It was absolutely, obviously, the best thing to do. Now, uh, so that is all a silly illustration to say, uh, you know, even though we have God's spirit inside of us, and I'd say when you're facing decisions, you need to pray a lot. You need to talk with other godly people about what to do. And I sort of, you know, I was doing some of that. But I want to just give you this much room to say there may be a place for a very cautious careful casting of lots on a very, very, very occasional basis. Are you with me? So here's the thing. Uh, it's, It's absolutely last resort, and it has to be when you just don't know what else, and then you have to make a deal. I will do what the lot says. Because I just don't think that it's totally dissing God if you're like, oh, two out of three, oh, five out of whatever, you know. No. And if you have an indication, I think there really could be, that could be a way that God could lead. Now, if you disagree with that, we can still be friends. And I, I, hear me well, I'm not suggesting that the next time uh, you have a really, you know, jobs or, or uh, relationships ever start flipping coins and rolling dice. No, 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 no. But there might be a place for it. Because what happens is emotions and feelings can really get in the way and we can say, well, I really, you know, I was halfway there with my, you know, my spiritual cedar, you know, whatever, you know, and so it it can really help be a a way to at least, uh, you know, and I would have people um, to help you uh, when you're not sure and you're saying, I will do what, what it says. And again, it shouldn't probably be the most important decisions in your life. Okay, I wanted to share that story. I wanted to talk about casting lots, but again, probably not the most important thing and and let God's spirit work in you uh, in other ways way before you go to casting lots. Okay, but so, uh, real quick, as time fleets, and I'm going to toss this to you. Thanks. Um, What should we get from this passage? That's what we're talking about every time we see these passages, so I don't want to neglect that real quick while we still have time today. Um, First of all, we have to understand the important part of what's going on here. First of all, apostles were very significant in the life of the church and in the life of the movement, in the life of what was going on in this period. Um, Apostles were sent, called out, they were messengers. All those things start to be it. Mostly the whole idea of being sent. That was an apostle. And they were, uh, Jesus, remember, he had his 12 guys. And this is actually from uh, Luke chapter 9. He calls them together, gave them power and authority to drive out demons. In Luke 22, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So the apostle position, the role of those original 12 was a big deal. It was important. And so from our passage, we can see why it was important for them to take care of this. He was one of our number. 
Judas wasn't just some guy that hung out with us sometimes. He was one of us, and he shared in our ministry. Therefore, it is necessary to choose. And he says at the end of this passage, Peter says, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Remember, Acts, the mission, is all about witness. Witness to Jesus' life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension. So the apostles, it was a big deal uh, that uh, they, you know, they had an important role. Uh, the other parts, I almost forgot. I'm glad I wrote it down. <laughs> you know, uh, the symbolism of 12. So when you have these 12 apostles and what Jesus said about even judging them someday, uh, 12 was this number that regularly represented the tribes of Israel that then represented God's people. And so when we talk about the 12 apostles, we are really talking about representing who Israel, and more importantly for us now, God's people were and are. So the 12 represent God's people. So it's important that they, uh, in the end, it's important that they shore up their witness, their look, their uh, integrity is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. So that's why, that's what we have to catch from this, the importance of the apostles. But then, remember, in the middle of all that, uh, this foundational period that we're in, where they needed to get everything right. And it's like if word gets out, well, there was that guy that, you know, that guy that betrayed their leader, so they had to get that, you know, get that all shored up and say, we, we have cut him loose. He, he basically committed suicide and he is gone and we are telling you we're going to replace him to shore up our, you know, for lack, this is so not the right word, our organization, our group, our family, our uh, apostleship needs to be represented well and we want to be taking care of that because um, the movement had to progress well and uh, because it's the beginning of the church, they needed to get it right. Does that make sense? You with me? Really important that they got this right. And so this isn't a trivial thing. It's important that they take care of it. Because here's the way I would say it. Oh, that's, uh, go back, go back, go back. The integrity of the witness had to be established and maintained. If Acts is all about Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses, let's get it right from the get-go. There was this guy that betrayed me. We've cut him loose. Twelve, the spiritual and symbolic parts of that needs to be fulfilled, and so we need to find somebody. Now, there are a couple of things that come up with this. I know there is. Um, first, a, a minor one. Remember, they were replacing Judas not because of his death, really. They were replacing because he betrayed Jesus, because he bailed. So here's a guy we thought we vetted well, we interviewed him and whatever, and he didn't turn out to be a heartfelt guy. So we need to replace him with a real one. It's not because he died, as we'll see in Acts, uh, other, dis other disciples, other apostles die, but they don't replace them. It actually ends up being, uh, in some ways, a uh, culmination of their witness, right? Because they died as martyrs. It's not going to be long from now. I'll give you a little foreshadowing. Sorry, spoiler alert. You know, it's not long from in just a few, chap uh, few verse, chapters, verses, whatever, that James uh, is the first apostle to be killed. And they don't replace him. So just remember that. It's not that Judas died. It's that he wasn't heart right. And the other thing, those of you that might be a little bit um, in the know will say, well, wait, 
What about Paul? Did they do bad by not letting God's choice in Paul be the 12th guy? I don't know. <laughs> it's a great discussion. Again, the experts are sort of all that. Generally speaking, the answer now, and I would have said when I looked at this passage all those years ago at seminary, I was kind of that, yeah, I mean, God had an idea. Why didn't they wait for Paul? I don't think so now. This was absolutely what they needed to do in light of what we're saying. They needed to establish and maintain this, uh, the, the real witness. And so they, the, the criteria to say it has to be somebody who was with us, who knows everything, you know, whose heart's in it. And so Matthias was chosen. So I'm inclined to say this was right, because of, especially because of the Jewish audience that Luke had. It spoke huge to the Jews. And again, Paul ends up being apostle to the Gentiles. There might be some wiggle room there. So there's this... Um, there's this verse in Revelation, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, this is from 21, uh, 21, 14, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I don't know if it'll be Paul or Matthias, it's a great thing if you want to bat that about, but um, uh, it just reminds us the importance of apostleship, and, and we're going to be talking in Acts in some ways about there will be other people who are called apostles that aren't the 12 and so there's some wiggle room or there's some hard to sort of, uh, again, harmonize everything except to say, these 12, capital A, spiritually ordained, the important part of, the foundational part of being the witness, and then maybe little a, other people are called apostles that they're sent and they're a witness in, you know, in, a, in a little special way. Whatever. So that's all about apostles. And I don't think they did wrong by picking Matthias. I think um, uh, it's totally okay. Well, I didn't want to stop without giving you one of my pal Schnabel's comments. Remember, that's my commentator of choice out of two. I mean, the two of them. Here's, here's what he says that I want to share with you. This text is about the identity of the community of the followers of Jesus as God's people. This text is about the identity of the community of the followers of Jesus as God's people and about the mission of the task that consists in the witness to Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and exaltation. You see, what it is, Bueller and B, all these thousands of years later is, we build on their foundation. See, because newsflash, none of us were there when Jesus was alive. None of us were there to see him resurrected or ascend, any of that, right? And so we are trusting that the foundation these guys laid all those years ago is solid and real and spiritual and it is absolute the only way that we can be saved. And this is our witness, and this is our mission. And we're going to talk about witness and mission almost every time we get together about Acts. And so uh, I want to just remind you of that, that we build on that foundation. Toss those back, I forgot. And here's what I want to say. Yep, I won't mention why the Chiefs lost. Just kidding. Here's what I want to say. If there's any question, the lot falls to you. Because we can start asking, who will be my witness?
Who's going to be a witness? Not only in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Who's going to be a witness in Bueller? The lot falls to you. And that, you know, it's not a guilt thing. It's not a pressure thing. It's like, look at what we have to build on. They were so cautious and careful, the integrity. They saw, they are the ones that saw Jesus and knew him. And now, again, next week, oh my goodness, the spirit. Oh, and we have his spirit in us to carry out that mission and to be his witnesses. So that's my encouragement this week. The lot falls to each of us to be his witness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for your word. Thank you for this fantastic account, this fantastic story of how your church, your movement progressed and how your church was established. So God, I pray that we would know that we have a great foundation to build on, that your original followers, the apostles, set us up so well. Remind us of that. God, take away our fear, take away our insecurity, and remind us that we are all chosen to be your witnesses. God, I thank you for our chance to be together in worship today. As we uh, consider what you're doing in our lives, God, I pray that you would bless uh, offerings and tithes that may be given today. I pray that you would use them well for the work of your church and building of the kingdom. And God, I pray for each need that might be represented in this room today, that you would draw near in each case and circumstance. And God, I pray that you would go with us and that we would remind ourselves that we are your witness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So groups, groups start around 11. If you haven't been part of a group, it might be a good time to try one. Uh, if you have a tither offering, the, the receptacles, the buckets are in the back. You can drop that in. And uh, also uh, the cards in the, in the seats if you want to drop those off as well. Otherwise, hope you have a great week. Peace. <laughs>